Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. As a Christian, as a believer, someone that's benefited from all your graces and all that you've done, God, I'm, I'm blessed to be privileged to be a part of it in whatever way I can be a part of it. We want to grow to that place where we can truly give, where it can be something you do in worship, where it's not something that's done in constraint, that y'all have not been manipulated, that I'm not tricking y'all into giving, thinking y'all gonna get a bigger car next year, this gonna be your year, you'll get your breakthrough, your blessing, your pot, you know, all, this, not all that stuff, but that it would be something that we would really worship the Lord with everything that we are. Did you know that giving is an act of worship? In today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains that giving should come from your heart. You shouldn't feel pressured or obligated to tithe and to give. God gives generously. When you give, you're modeling after his heart. God desires that your giving will be cheerful, that you will give to the church and to others with gladness. What talents, resources, or opportunities has God blessed you with? And how can you extend that to those around you? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as he continues his message, The Grace of Giving. Sometimes that's why people are in, in financial straits. God's like, I give you enough, but you're not faithful with what I give you. You're not a good steward of the things that I do give. You don't manage it well. Part of managing well what God gives us is, is, is being prayerful and careful with how you use your resources. And I don't believe you can give too much. I, if, if I run out of money because I gave to meet needs, I feel like I'm in a good place to ask the Lord to continue to provide for what I need. If I run out of money because I bought dumb stuff, because I bought a car I didn't need, I, I, I put some rims, I rented, you know, I, I rent to own some rims I don't need, you know, like that'd be some dumb stuff people do. Like you just you rent it to own rims, like how could, how could that ever feel like a need, you know? Uh, if you got some rent to own rims, take them back today and, and tell God sorry you spent his money like that. So, <laughs> All right, that was for free. Moving on. Go back to go back to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter chapter eight, verse eleven. He says, "But now you also must complete the doing of it, that there, as it was a readiness a desire, so there also may be a completion of what you have." And he's basically saying, "Don't you know? You need to be complete or make good on the commitment that you made." Verse twelve. Now, for if there is first a willing mind that is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time, your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance also may supply your lack that there may be equality. And then verse 15, a quotation from Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. And it says, it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack. And so we'll come back to those things. So verse 12, he tells them, he says, look, if, if there was first, I'm sorry, um, I don't, he says, I, sorry, verse 12. For if there was first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he doesn't have. So he says, look, if a year ago when you guys made the commitment to give, you know, you guys, maybe you had so much and maybe now you guys have less and you guys, oh man, we don't have enough. So we're going to wait. He said, look, if God's, you've made a commitment to give. God's looking at what you, you know, God's not requiring me to do beyond what I have. God knows, everybody here, God knows what you have. And you might feel like, well, I don't have much to give. And so this little bit not going to make a difference. Um, but God says, you know, you, you, you be faithful with the little bit that you have. If you have a little bit, be faithful with the little, right? We looked at the lady with the two mics last week. God's not looking at necessarily like how much we give. 
God's looking at what it costs. What did it cost me to give? Because two people can give 50 bucks. And for one person, it was nothing. And for someone else, that 50 bucks could be everything. Absolutely sacrificial. And so God knows our hearts. God knows what we're able to do. And so we, we give as he's prospered us, as he's enabled us. You don't, I don't think we're to be caught up with worrying about, you know, this is not going to do much. Or it's not, you know, when I first went to uh, Calvary Chapel Downing, and I remember it's a huge church. I mean, it's huge. And you could feel like in a church that big, like, I don't need my little bit. My little popcorns, you know, they don't need it. But it, and, and it's not really a matter of rather they need it. I needed to give it. Right? I needed to continue to be a part of what God was doing. It, it didn't matter if it didn't look like, um, you know, if everybody were to take that opinion, then that place will fold up. Um, you know, that, so it's still required that everybody be fully engaged, you know, in, in the process. And so um, we're not to stumble or worry about, you know, how much we're able to do. Be faithful. That's that's what God wants. Everybody be faithful, you know. And if you do a little, if you do a lot, you know, you, you be faithful with what you have and let the Lord sort those things out. So he says, look, God knows what you guys are able to do. It's, it's accepted, not according to what you don't have, but what you do have. You know, God's not God's not worried about what you don't have. He said, be faithful with a little bit that you do. And in verse 13, he says, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. And so the idea isn't that, you know, in a church setting, right? And this is just reality. It's the same serving and giving are so equally matched up. In a church like ours, there are people that serve and there are people that don't. So now the goal would be to get everybody to a place where everybody serves, everybody takes part and no one's overwhelmed in serving. No one's overly burdened because the, the responsibility is shared between everybody. That's the goal. That's what's supposed to be. It isn't so that this person's burden and this person's at ease. God's like, no, I want there to be an equality. I want everybody to do their part. The same is true with giving. And in a church, um, you can have some that, uh, basically in a church, you have people that do give faithfully and generously and regularly. And you have people that don't give at all. And it ends up being the same thing that's, that these people are carried by these people. But God said it shouldn't be that way. There should be an equality. That everybody doing their part. And then he gives a beautiful example in, in verse 15. He says, as it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. He's taking us back to Exodus 16, verse 18. We don't have time to go to it. You can write it in your notes. But back then, God had told them to, uh, God was providing manna from heaven every day. And each person was to get an omer. That was the measure that they were to get. And so he says, as each family went out, if you had five people in your family, it was an omer per person. Um, if you had two people, it was an omer per person. So he says that they went out and gathered each day. Each person was supposed to get enough for what was in their household. And he says, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little didn't lack. Everybody, there was equality. Now, some people believe that it's because those that gathered too much gave it to those that didn't have enough and it all balanced out. Now, what happened if you hoarded manna? Anybody know? It's right. It went bad. It, it starts stinking. It, you know, it, it, it rotted up on you as though if you hoarded it. Like, I'm going to get enough for me for the day and it is some more extra for, you know, then God was like, you do that. And you're you going to wake up in the middle of the night saying, what is that? Maggots and it smells and, this, you know, that's that's what happened when you hoarded manna. So the goal, God was trying to teach them something. Don't hoard. If you ended up getting too much, give it to somebody that didn't have enough, but don't go home with too much. You have some, you, you'll be sorry tonight that you did so. So, but he gives them this example and ideas that, look, everybody Everybody went out and got what they needed. There was equality. All the needs were met. You know, everybody got what they were supposed to do. Everybody did their part. And so that is the goal in, in 
church function, Christian giving, everybody would do their part. And in doing so, in, in this, when it was done that way, God was glorified. All the needs were met within the church. And so um, before we move over to the next section, just um, the principles for Christian giving. And we went over these last week. I believe I gave the reference. And if, you, if I didn't, you guys could write it down. It's just it's four things that are these are these are principles for how we're to give as New Testament believers. First Corinthians 16 verses one through four. And these are the, the four things there. It says that, you know, giving should be regular. Uh, they set it aside on the first day of the week. Every week it was done. So usually for most of us, we get paid once a week or once a month. You know, we as we receive, we give. So it's regular. Uh, it's planned. It's not something that somebody twists your arm or coerces you or tricks you into when you get to a, a special church gathering. You plan for it. Something you plan and prepare to do before you get there. It's proportional. It's proportional to based on what I bring in. I give based on what I bring in. And it's private. You know, something I do between me and the Lord. So we said this last week. Why don't we have people marching down with a $100 line, a $500 line, a $1,000 line? Because I'll be robbing you twice. One, I have you giving in a way that God doesn't God doesn't bless. Second, God says, there, that's your reward. If I say, how do y'all give a thousand dollars? Come on down here. We say, clap, 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 clap. God says, that is your reward. Soak it up. No, 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 no reward in heaven for that. No eternal value. Just soak it up right there. Me and a friend of mine, uh, my buddy Steve Pearson, we, we always tease each other, but when, when we were working at the church together, every once in a while, we, you know, we were the youth pastor, but we would get the filling for the main pastor. And then, you know, people was, oh, man, you did a great job. It's a great message. They would encourage you and say nice things. And then he would always walk by. If you, like, we would walk by one another. If someone was, you know, complimenting. If, if you took it, if you were like, thank you. you know, I, I did bring it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we would walk by and we, we, we would walk by and jokingly go, poof. And poof, man, that was your reward. You, you just spent it. You should have been humble. You, should, you shouldn't have ate that up. You should have just, you know, humbled yourself or whatever. And so, um, you know. It, it's we're to give in a way that it's, it's really between us and the Lord. And God says, that's that's what I bless. Right. That's what I honor. It's not to be something done for show. It's not to be something, you know, that we, we, we that everybody knows, you know, we don't give we don't put a special placard. You know, we're not going to buy new chairs and put a thing on the back of everybody. That gave all the thousand dollar givers. You have a chair with your name on the back. Everybody sit there and know that you gave for that chair. You know, um, that's the kind of stuff. They're the, they're the gimmicks that are common and, you know. <laughs> We're just not going to get down like that. So here was another question, and I wanted to answer it. Um, someone, I've, I've been asked several times, like, why don't we do a fundraiser or, you know, barbecue sale or a bake sale, you know, to help raise funds, get stuff done at the church? This is why we don't do that. God's process for church giving is that the members of the church would give generously, faithfully, and that would be how needs of the church are met. In a lot of scenarios, because people don't give generously, faithfully in the church, People come up with new ways to get money to come in to get things done. Since y'all won't give faithfully, I bet you if I give y'all some barbecue, at a, <laughs> y'all will give for that. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 and this is why I won't do that because I'm like, no, I, I'm that won't ever will never grow to where we do it for the right reasons. Y'all go buy barbecue from Woody's. Y'all buy barbecue from somebody that's in professional barbecue making business, but. Right here, that's not how God's, you can't find that in the Bible. You can't find where the Old Testament saints were like, hey, we're getting ready to send these guys on a mission. So we're going to, everybody bring in your goods. We're going to give away, we're going to sell, we're going to do a garage sale. So, so Paul and Titus can go on this next missionary journey. They didn't do that. People gave and it was there and that's what they went out and did. And so 
uh, I feel like when you but when you make those other things, um, when when you present those other options, people will give people will buy barbecue. If we got some good baked goods and people know how to bake some good baked things, folks will buy that. You know, I, we can sell y'all coffee. Y'all, you know, some of y'all buy it. You know, y'all buy coffee, but the guys like that's not the goal. The goal is for people they're not giving to get. You're not giving to get a plate of barbecue. You're not giving to get some some jam and cookies. You're not giving to get a good, you know, cappuccino or whatever. You're giving just to the Lord. It's in worship. So that's why I won't succumb to that. I'm like, no, we'll, I'll wait until, we, you know, we catch up and we give for the right reasons. And um, and we'll give you the coffee. And if we got some baked goods that's jamming, y'all get them for free. You know, it's, that's, that's how we're going to do those things. So. And I hope that we understand that. That's uh, I've been asked that uh, a few different people. Like you know, we, right now we we we've accomplished so much as far as the church, and we got a a list of things that we're gonna do. Something that we're gonna we'll do next week. Um, I've been asked by several people. Like, hey, can you can you give us? People want to know what else are we waiting for? Like, what's the order of things that need to be done and all that kind of stuff. So, as part of our you know going through our series of the grace of giving, I will put up next week. I'll have a thing where I put up and I'll show you. What we've done so far, uh, what it took us to do, what we've done so far, for you guys who are with us in Monroe, you know, we got, I don't know, for how many guys were here before we did the building, when it was all tore up? How many guys saw it? Okay. I may, at some point, show some pictures and videos for y'all that weren't, that y'all can appreciate what it was, <laughs> what it, compared to what it is, and, um, and um, but I also will put up kind of the list of things that we're still going to, we're waiting to do as those things come in, and um but we ain't gonna sell you barbecue. <laughs> we're not going. Um, I'm not gonna put a thermometer on the wall and you know say we're almost there. Boom! You know we bursted. Yeah. You know um, as people give faithfully, regularly. You know we will take care of those things as as it comes in. So, Amen. amen. Y'all good with that? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> verse, uh, so here's the last thing, and then we're gonna move on to communion. So in verses verses 16 to 24. Paul now deals with those who are handling the resources in the church and um, those that are, you know, it's because um, I think one of the reasons people struggle with the idea or the aspect of, of giving in the church is because there's abuses. Um, everybody here seeing the pastors with, you know, Bentleys and Ferraris, pastors that are living like multimillionaires and they got multiple mansions in three different places and they got personal jets and you know, Lear Jet, this, that, and the other. And so for some people, they look at that and they're like, that's why I'm not giving because look, that guy's going to use it all up. You know, he's going he gonna to have a big house. He's going to have this, that, and the other. And I would say that that's wrong. I would say that if you went somewhere like that, you shouldn't go somewhere like that, that you shouldn't give somewhere or go somewhere where you can see that there are abuses uh, with the finances. Uh, it is important that the things that are given are anything given, is it becomes God's. It was God's when it belonged to you. When you gave it at church, you gave it, to God. You gave it in worship to the Lord. And so it's important that on the church side, we have people that manage it, that treat it as, hey, these are God's resources that are go into, that are go into God's work. And, and they're, you know, be prayerful and careful about how that goes. So for you guys that don't know how things go here, I'll explain it. And then we'll read through the, the people that Paul listed out here. Um, when you give here, um, I have a group of guys that collected, you know, a group, a group of trusted guys that are serving with us. They collected. John is our financial person. Everybody know John? Who raise your hand, John? So you know you are. Right. So you know, if y'all see John in the Bentley, y'all know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, I get the test that he is a trustworthy man of God. Him and his wife. Uh, anybody that knows them, there, there's no question there whatsoever. They manage that aspect of it. You know, they take everything. They prepare the things for the bank. They put it in the bank. They handle that. 
Um, it's always been my my position to not um, not to handle. Um, I don't count money. I don't handle money. I don't know who gives and who don't give. Um, that's that's how I per- that's I believe how it's supposed to be. I need to know what comes in, and you know I, I'm you know there's a managing aspect of knowing what comes in. I know what rent is. I know what the bills are here. I know what has to go out from month to month and week to week. So I need to know what comes in, and so I get a report of what comes in, and we manage what goes out, but. He manages it more in the specific way. And as we grow, um, the Lord will continue to add to that team other faithful individuals that can be trustworthy and so forth and so on. So that's how we manage that. So here, Paul is saying, hey, I want you guys to know that there are trustworthy people put over this offering that was given. So look at verse 16. I'm going to read this chunk and we're great for communion. It says, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into, into the heart of Titus. So Titus is one of the brothers uh, there's a whole letter written to him. We went through it not too long ago. Um, but Titus is one of the people that's responsible for carrying this offering. He is a trustworthy brother. He functioned as a pastor. And so he says, for he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you on his own accord. And we have sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. Now, this, this is other person doesn't give their name. So we sent him with this other brother. And it says whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And there's one more unnamed brother. And I'll I'll talk about that in just a minute. Look at verse 19. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself to him. I'm sorry, the Lord himself and to show your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us. And they were being very careful that there couldn't be any any accusations made about, you know, the, how money's being used or where it's being spent, that there couldn't be accusations made. And so, you know, we, we have a, a financial board. So we're Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We came out of Calvary Chapel Downey on our board is still the administrator from Calvary Chapel Downey. And there's a everything that's ever come in or that ever goes out from here is overseen by multiple people, you know, so there, there's an accountability. There's not a freedom. There's not, nobody can take, if somebody jammed out of here with everything, it's impossible. It takes two signatures to do anything. Um, there at least had to be, it had to be two fools. It wouldn't be able to just be one of them, you know, so there's an accountability about what can come and what can go. And it also gives us a good track record with regard to taxes and you know being able to show hey this is what came this is what went this is where it went how it was used so it keeps us in a in a really clean place that way where our testimony is solid so that's what Paul is saying here he said hey I had Titus had his other brother who's praised in the gospel that no one could say anything about how we were handling these things verse 21 providing honorable things not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men and we have sent with them our brother, so there's a third brother, who's he's unnamed, whom we have often provided, um, proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. So real quick, we know Titus, and we got these two other brothers that are very highly spoken of. One who they said has been diligent, the other one who's praised in the gospel. And, you know, commentators have, you know, went, I mean, pages and pages about who these two guys are. I Suffice it to say, if we needed to know who they were, their names would be here. But I thought this is important, right? There are people, right, in God's economy that are doing a work that's that critical, that important, that God says, but they remain nameless. We don't know who they are, but God knows who they are, doesn't he? 
We know that they're faithful. We know they had a good reputation. We know that one was diligent. We know that the other one's praised in the gospel. And maybe the people who this was written to would have said, oh, that's him. But we don't know who he is. Uh, remains unnamed. And I'm just throwing that out there because many of us, maybe in our giving, maybe in our serving, maybe there's a way in which we serve or help or give. And, and, and it seems that it's mostly unknown. And even though it's unknown to men, who knows? God knows nothing. It slips by his sight. God knows everything. And so, you know, these brothers are important and helpful and diligent and faithful, but they're unknown. So if you find that you're serving and nobody knows, be okay with that. Be okay with that. It's all right. It's all right to be unknown in men's eyes because God because God knows. And sometimes you will serve in a way that people don't see or appreciate or acknowledge. But you never serve in a way that God doesn't see. Amen. And uh, last two verses, 23 and 24. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. And so he says, uh, in closing, if anybody has any question about Titus, the other brothers, these are I'm, I'm approving them. Paul said they got my stamp. I'm, I These guys are legit. They're solid. You know, bring them questions this way. And then he says, in closing this section, he says, Therefore, show them before the church is the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. And so he said, hey, make, make, I, I boasted on you guys and you guys would be faithful. You guys make good on that. And he basically that's his final exhortation at this point, saying you guys be faithful in your giving here. And so as we end this message, we get ready to move into communion. Uh, I wanted to go back to uh, something Paul said in the earlier part. He pointed to Jesus in verse nine as the example. He's talking about giving. He's encouraging the the Corinthian church to grow in this grace. He used the Macedonian church as an example. He gives us all these principles for giving. But the thing we don't want to miss is in verse nine. And we'll come back to this when you're ready to celebrate communion. He says, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. In other words, God gave everything. He gave everything that he was, that he had. He gave, he gave up everything for our benefit. And that's truly the, that's the heart of Christian giving, that we're, we're giving in a sacrificial way for the benefit of others, for the glory of God. And so um, my prayer for us as we go through these chapters, we go through this thing that we will, not that we'll just give more, because that would, if, if people just give and we don't understand the heart or the why, that'll fizz out. I don't, I'm not, my goal is not to stir you to make you feel bad. Like, oh man, he's talking to me, you know. Here, you know, the goal is that we would really have our hearts impacted and we would under that it be something we really understand in a in a in our hearts. Like God, this is this is what you desire. This is what you did. This is what you desire of us. And as a Christian, as a believer, someone that's benefited from all your graces and all that you've done, God, I'm I'm blessed to be privileged to be a part of it in whatever way I can be a part of it. We want to grow to that place where we can truly give, where it could be something you do in worship. Where it's not something that's done in constraint, that y'all have not been manipulated, that I'm not tricking y'all into giving, thinking y'all going to get a bigger car next year. This going to be your year. You'll get your breakthrough, your blessing, your pot, you know, all, this, not all that stuff. But that it would be something that we would really worship the Lord with everything that we are. And my prayer is that it wouldn't impact just our giving. I pray it would impact our serving. It would impact our living. It would impact even what we do beyond the walls of the church that God would make out of us people that are like him. 
that we're reaching out to hurting people, that we're generous to those that are in need, that we're we're meeting the needs of our own church and our own body, that we be we be a people that God's resources flow to us and they flow through us, that God's graces flow to us and gifts and they flow right through us, that all that we receive, be it material things, spiritual blessings, that those things come into our hearts and they flow through us, that we're receiving and giving in a healthy way. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.